Hey, what's up guys, Michael Pullman here, and this is The M Word, and today I am going to be interviewing the New Zealand Disability Rights Commissioner, Paula Tessitarero. Now, we've had Paula on the show before, last year, when we were under a different a different brand, so I, I naturally, I always wanted to get her back on the show, and this being an election year, 2020, I want to talk to her about that, about what she wants to achieve in the role as Commissioner this year, and of course we touched on, uh, you know, some of the, the things that she'll be focusing on this year, obviously the End of Life Choice Bill, and uh, what she wants to do in that space. Uh, but also, interestingly, uh, we talked about domestic violence and abuse towards disabled people and, and how she uh, would like to tackle that. And also, uh, you know, trying to develop a a national discussion about disability. Because remember, this is 1.2, I think now, 1.2 million New Zealanders that are affected, um, that or they are disabled. You know, and, and that's that's and counting because if the last, especially the last couple of years, if it showed us anything, you know, there is a lot of 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 sections of the disability community that we don't even know about yet. So we talked all about that, and it's going to be good. So I hope you guys enjoy it. I hope you uh, get something out of this. You can uh, contact Paula. She is on Facebook. Uh, at Twitter, she's probably one of the more approachable and, and downright nice actually she's just a lovely, lovely lady so um, yeah, really great to talk to and I'm sure she wouldn't mind uh, me, you know, telling you guys, hey if you if you are disabled or you know somebody with a disability or you know you're part of a disabled family or you work in the system um, you know, reach out, she's, um, she's always, always always there you, you know enough and uh you know for her to be willing to obviously to do podcasts and and come on interviews uh like this it's um it's always great you know she certainly doesn't have to do that so a big thank you and of course you can just go to uh the human rights commission website i believe it's it's hrc.co.nz and i'll put links in the uh in the description but enough for me here is the chat that i had today with paula and i hope you enjoy it this is all about disability in 2020 with the disability rights commissioner paula to you are listening to the word well thank you so much once again paula for joining me here on the podcast happy new year uh, you how, how are you feeling coming into 2020? Well, I think we've got a huge number of challenges for the disability sector and an election year is always, you know, an opportune time to be talking about those in the public sphere. Uh, and I think, you know, while we've got a number of challenges, I also think, you know, it's a, it's a huge year for um, opportunity. And so I'm, I'm feeling energised about the year ahead. 2019, you know, 
there were a few negative headlines, but as as I was writing earlier in the week, you know, it was actually a pretty positive year in some ways. You know, we had free transport in some parts of the country, and then and, and Robert Martin at the end of the year. I wanted to get your take on that to start. Um, what was your reaction to hearing about Robert's uh, recognition? Oh, I was just delighted to wake up to the news. I think that it's been a real boost for the disability community. I think it's so thoroughly well deserved. I think it's, um, you know, hopefully really highlights for other disabled people and for the New Zealand public at large um, and internationally, actually, about what people with learning disabilities uh, contribute to the world. And I, I think that it's a really significant deal for um, obviously for Robert, but also for our community. Yeah, definitely. And, and I guess moving into, you know, p- perhaps a national discussion about, you know, the disability, something like this is a, is so, I guess, good to be able to help uh, inspire that in some ways. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah, yeah. So um, I guess... Moving into, into this year, obviously, you said it was an election year. Um, you, you know, there, there will be hopefully quite a lot of focus from government uh, on this on this sector because it, it desperately needs some, some help. Um, for you, what are some of the, the big uh, areas that you want to focus on this year? Well, I think that... Um, that as you know, and, and people listening to this know, the list of things that you know we, we need to deal with as a country around disability uh, are really significant. And so it's always hard to narrow it down to uh, a core sort of group of things. But that's the only way we make progress, I think. So the key things that I'll be focusing on this year, in, in no particular order, um, are the education reforms. Uh, as we know, our education system in New Zealand is not inclusive and it continues to be the key area that uh, disabled people and their families um, talk to me about. So I'm going to you know, continue the work that, that I was heavily involved in last year, you know, make, continuing to make numerous submissions and hopefully influence the government um, to really use these reforms to deliver an inclusive education system. So that's one area. Second area is there's a there's a, a range of things that sort of sit what I call loosely in a in a health bucket, um, if, if you like, that I think this year we, we critically need to make progress on. So one is far better supports for people with neurodisabilities. And Last year I did a lot of work with the fetal alcohol spectrum disorder community and really started to learn much more about the significant challenges faced by people with FASD and their families and how that group who are not eligible for disability support services um, by virtue alone of having FASD um, fall through the cracks at so many stages. So. Um, we're doing some work together and with the Ministry of Health to try and address that and also with the Minister for Disability Issues. Um, Also in that package is um, the systems transformation work. 
there's also the funded family care and, and you know, changes that I hope we'll see this year that build on last year. Then there's also just, you know, we've talked before about the, the level of funding for supports disabled people. So, you know, that's not the total sum of issues in the in the health bucket, but they are some key ones that I'll be focused on. The next one is this year we'll be finalising as an independent monitoring mechanism our report to Parliament and the UN on um, New Zealand's examination um, in relation to the CRPD. Yep. And, you know, we've done a lot of work in the second part of last year, numerous hui around the country with disabled people. And so I'm really looking forward to finalising that in the first part of this year and, and making it publicly available. Yep. Um, just just on that, um, what what was the the sort of general uh, sense around the country in terms of how we're doing in that space? Oh, I don't think it will be a surprise to many people that the overwhelming um, sort of take on the report really, uh, I guess, is that yeah, of course, there's been some improvement in some areas, and the government have you know announced some reforms across particular. Um, portfolios that impact the disability community but by and large there's still quite some way to go across almost every article in the CRPD so you know it, it was really you know I attended most of the um, hui around the country and it was pretty humbling to hear people's experiences uh, and you know just get a, a, a people's sense of how frustrated they are, while also acknowledging that there are some good things happening. Um, so just to finish, a couple of other big areas that I'll be focused on this year, Michael, is um, one a key one is around violence and abuse. So violence and abuse wasn't a topic that I made a priority when I came into the role, but it's become a priority for a number of reasons. One, I'm not satisfied that with the current reforms underway, there's enough of a focus on disabled people. Uh, secondly, I commissioned some work last year um, to pull together the information that we know domestically and internationally about um, violence and abuse towards disabled people. Uh, and one of the key issues that disabled women raised as part of the Women's Convention consultations was um, violence and abuse. So I commissioned some further work right at the end of the year, which I've now received, um, making some recommendations about what I can do in my role to impact this. So watch this space on that one. And then, look, finally, it's going to be a, um, uh, a year with you know not only the election, but the referendum on the end-of-life choice bill. Uh, as we know, this is something that I have... Um, talked a lot about uh, and you know I, I sort of welcome discussion on this I've been very clear uh, I hope that my views about the safeguards and um, uh, particular issues relate to this bill so you know I think often the debate becomes whether or not we should have an assisted dying regime and, and that's not really the issue here, the issue here is this particular bill. And then I know I said that was finally, but this is the real finally. Um, 
there are a number of reviews that we made submissions on last year. Um, so, for example, the mental health review, the health and disability system review, child poverty, etc. And uh, we'll continue to be monitoring those and also having ongoing um, input. Sounds like a, a tremendously busy year. I've got a number of questions to, to come from all that you just said. Um, the the violence and, and abuse thing. Um, now, I, I may have misheard you, but does that just focus on domestic violence as in, in terms of relationships in the home? No. So I think that, the you know, one of the really important um, um, impacts, I think, for disabled people is that, you know, it's it, it's not just in that setting of, of domestic violence. It can be in residential settings, community-based care settings. And so I, I want to start unraveling violence and abuse more broadly. Yeah. Uh, what are your what are your thoughts on that though? Because I you know I I, I know you you saw or heard about what we were doing here in the Waikato, and it's such a it, it seems like such a massive project that you know I, I'm not sure that the community is willing to, to have a discussion about because it like you said it, it impacts on residential services it impacts on community services um, yeah how do you tackle the the, the kind of I, I guess the in some ways the silence around it well, I think, you know, there's, um, you know, violence and abuse is at that real sharp end of violating people's human rights. You know, it, it's it's just a flagrant breach. And I think, you know, I, I, a key responsibility of mine is around protecting human rights. And when people are in those very vulnerable situations uh, and, you know, from, from what I've commissioned and what I've read, um, you know, if, even if we look at just internationally what's happening and the prevalence of violence and abuse towards disabled people, we're kidding ourselves in New Zealand if we think that uh, we don't face similar levels, especially with our drinking culture, with our family violence culture. So, I, you know, you're, you're right. This is, a, this is a pretty uncomfortable topic for many New Zealanders, and it's taken us a long time as a country, I think, to even talk about family violence. But... You know, we've, we've got to have these conversations because, uh, you know, pe people are hurting and we've got a huge opportunity through the current suite of reforms that the government is engaging in. But what I really want to focus on is making sure there's real visibility and accountability for violence and abuse towards disabled people. I guess that's uh, also a conversation to be had with, you know, service providers as well. Because there's a lot of talk about, I guess, from the, in the service provider space about you know cost and and funding and allocation and all this, which I you know I do agree are factors that can lead to systematic abuse, right? Um, but how do we ensure that the the conversation with support workers and providers is is really about um, you know if we're going to give people choice and control. It really is about ensuring that that situation is a safe one. Absolutely. You touched on a really important point that, 
you know, we're, we're moving towards a system of that, that choice and control. And that means that the, the you know, the, the, that relationship with providers sort of expands and is different in places. And I think that's why this is a conversation which, you know, needs to be had in, in quite a public way. So it's not just with, you know, some select service providers or big service providers. Um, so you're, you're right, a huge, really challenging area, but really, really important. And, and, you know, other people have responsibilities in this area too, like the Ombudsman. Yeah. So we're working with him and others um, around this. Just on the... Uh quickly on that fetal alcohol thing, you know, I'm getting a, a big sense at the moment that there are a, a lot of different aspects of the community that are, that we haven't even really um, heard about, and, and this just being one example, so, you know, because you, you see and read things like 25 extra, you know, percent of demand for services coming out, I guess part of the national discussion is really one of the benefits of that could be hearing from sections of this community that we haven't even considered yet. I absolutely agree, and I think the fetal alcohol spectrum disorder community is one such community. So um, there's a hugely dedicated group of people who um, you know, have advocated for years for changes here. And, you know, people with FASD... Um, you know, can be on a, on a trajectory of um, some very poor outcomes, um, you know, through the youth justice and criminal justice system. Uh, and we have a real opportunity through early intervention, through, you know, getting in and providing support for young people and their families to hopefully change that trajectory. And, you know, I think that this is a, um, an area which again, New Zealand doesn't talk about fetal alcohol spectrum disorder in the way that we should. And you know, to date, there has been uh, some focus on prevention, but actually, what we critically need in New Zealand now is a focus on support for people with FASD and their families. And you know, that's what I'm trying to support the community do here is really focus the government's mind on support for these people so but but you're right you know we we have a big opportunity I think to talk with different groups in our community and make sure that we all have a really good understanding of uh, disability right across our sector you know another another group I've recently um, sort of been doing some work with or, or listening to their concerns are people with ME and you know these are people who are very you know can be very seriously disabled and often um, you know, end up um, unable to participate in their community and don't have the energy quite literally to to advocate for themselves and you know, I think there are, there are lots of parts of our community actually who are voiceless and so it's great to have these conversations. Yeah, no, you're very right, um, Paula. I guess another question I wanted to ask you was about the, yeah, the end of life choice bill, and and you know you've been quite a, a public um, advocate, you know, on this issue. Um, just a very general question: What would the percentage be between people you've heard from who are 
you know, against this bill versus those who are, you know, maybe not supportive of it, but, you know, a, a sort of like, well, hey, let's let New Zealand decide. Uh, so hard for, I can't really gauge that in terms of the general population, but in terms of disabled people, uh, the people who have communicated with me, by far um, uh, overwhelmingly support the advocacy that I've been doing around raising the concerns with this bill. Very, very few people, uh, very few um, people who have identified themselves as being disabled um, in fact, less than a handful, to be honest, uh, have contacted me um, saying they disagree with with my points. So, you know, and, and, and I think what I continue to encourage people to do is really get to grips with the contents of this bill because my worry is that we will have a discussion this year about whether or not we have an assisted dying regime. And actually, that's not the question here. The question that will be put at the referendum is around this bill. So I think it's really important for the disability community to understand the specifics of this bill, because if we are going to have some kind of regime in the future, then we need to have one that is really robust and really safe, and we have a way of you know, guaranteeing, actually, that there won't be wrongful deaths. What was the experience like, you know, fronting fronting the media, being very public, as, as I said on this? You know, there were, I watched all the interviews and there were times there that you did look quite, you know, emotionally um, drained. You know, I guess looking back last year, how did you, how, how do you feel? What was the experience like for you? Um... I think, you know, this role is a role where, um, you, you know, I do feel the weight of responsibility and uh, there may be times that that, that shows, um, but, you know, look, it's a privilege to be in this role and so I take every opportunity I can to, to influence better outcomes. On that particular debate, uh, it, it was hard. This seems to be an issue where... People are not afraid to make quite personal attacks and, you know, my view on when you resort to making personal attacks, um, actually it's a it's a, a way of not really engaging in the issues and I think, you know, there were times I had to just put up with the fact that there were some personal attacks coming my way and, and at times, you know, on social media there were some fairly brutal ones um, and, you know, they were just, not, not around the substance at all. They were just attacks. And, uh, you know, while initially hurtful, um, I see really that those sorts of attacks are just people's inability to really, or unwillingness, to actually debate the issues. Yeah. You know, I don't want to spend too much longer on this particular subject, but you did, you know, you are going to be working in this area um, you know, throughout 2020, it's going to be a, a very big discussion heading into the election. Um, I guess, what are you, what's next in, in that space? Is it, is it just being a part of the conversation and, and advocating? Or, you know, I guess if this goes through and, you know, it, it does become 
it does pass in the public. What then? Well, I think to answer the first part of your question, I'm, I'm still working through exactly what I'll do. I certainly intend to be part of the conversation. I will continue to say much of what I've said before around my concerns around safeguards and the way in which this bill um, operates. And so I expect to, to, you know, to, to do that. Um, but it will form a small part of my overall work. You know, I'm really focused on yeah. trying to um, enable disabled people to live good lives. And you know, all the challenges we've got this year. Um, the end of life choice bill. It is a really significant issue for New Zealand, but ultimately it will be one, you know, one part of the series of things I work on. And you know, I'm I'm looking forward to the public debate. I just think, you know, I really hope that all New Zealanders and and in particular our community can focus on the substantive issues and not let this become a, a, a personal attack on people because um, it's. It's not a way through this. I, I totally agree. Um, now, to, just to end this, because I know we are running short on time, but I did want to talk to you. Uh, you know I'm a, a big, um, I guess, opinion person in this space. The, the whole funding mm. uh, system at the moment. Um, first question about that. What was your reaction to NZDSN's report? I haven't read a report that was by any outlet that was so hard-hitting as, as what I saw out of out of them last year. What was your reaction when you read um, that report? Oh, I'm sure like many in the disability community, um, really uh, concerned. And, uh, you know, I think that it, it builds on work that they and others have, have done last year. I think you know we we have a really we have a really serious issue in New Zealand where um, a whole lot of things come together in 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 a way for disabled people that doesn't enable us to lead the best lives we can. And so you know if you look at the poverty stats, you look at the employment stats, you look at the educational outcomes, the housing situation, and then the um, the issues around funding for supports, yep. you know, we've, we've got a real issue in New Zealand where we need to support disabled people better. And I think that that report really highlighted some quite significant issues. So like you, I was pretty concerned. I've read the report a couple of times now, and it's something that you know, we need to continue collectively working on. Were you, were you at all concerned that the voice of disabled people, you know, that, was there much consultation from, you know, disabled people in terms of that report? Because there were suggestions that it was very much um, provider-driven and for the interests of providers. I, look, I, I don't know in terms of specific consultation. I know that you know my discussions with um, the head of yeah. um, with, with Garth Benny, you know, has always been driven around the outcomes for disabled people. But there'll always be that tension, you know, and, and service providers 
can't and don't speak for disabled people. And so I think an important part of this debate, and I think to really, you know, get changes over the line, the voice of disabled people has to be part of that. Yeah, totally. Um, last time we talked, you know, and, and I've sort of referenced this a lot um, because it really it really stuck with me about what you said regarding we need to actually have a discussion and uh, cost out what it's going to take to deliver a system that that you know we, we're hoping to deliver. Um, I don't know six eight months on from that conversation, are, are you? Do you feel we're any closer to actually having an understanding about what it's going to take from a financial perspective, uh, from a, a development, from a leadership perspective, in, in terms of getting this, you know, um, enabling good lives ideal system over the line nationally? I think that we've got some way to go in having the EGL principles truly embedded across government. And, you know, we, we you know, there's something that I continuously advocate for in terms of those, those principles. I think the system transformation piece itself and whether we, you know, we, we can get to where we need to get to, uh, I guess, you know, I, I feel optimistic. Um, I continue to listen to disabled people's experiences and I welcome people sharing those experiences with me. I think that what, you know, what I saw, uh, particularly last year, was the coming together of a number of really significant disability-related issues in New Zealand. So I think they're on the table. And if you sort of look at our history, you know, I, I think we're at a point in time where there's a far greater awareness across government of the issues. I'm not convinced there are um, solutions by any stretch. So I think the you know the focus now is all right. These are the issues facing disabled New Zealanders. Here is the evidence. Here's what we understand. So actually, there's an onus on um, the government to ensure that they are adequately addressed. And you know I'm looking forward to seeing where the accessibility legislation goes. This year, you know, that, that's an important potential um, big change in the in the way that New Zealand um, responds to to disability and can reduce barriers. So, big issues on the table, and that's a great start. But we've got to see action around some of them um, in a in a much shorter time frame. Yep, no, that, I totally agree. All right, well, we'll leave it there, Paula. Thank you for. Uh, for joining me, I appreciate it, and we'll, we'll talk soon, I'm sure. Thanks, Michael. See ya. Cool. Cool, Media.